Welcome to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, a weekly podcast for BJJ enthusiasts who are striving to succeed both on and off the mats. This podcast is brought to you by Robles, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. And here are your hosts on the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. Episode number 204, I see. We had uh, two episodes come out very quickly, 202 and 203. Boom, like that. Yeah. <laughs> now we're on 204. Um, yeah, I like this topic, though. Um, I think you should just start over with uh, what we were just talking about with the refrigerator stuff, because I think it's a good way to start it out. Okay. Um, so one of the things I was telling you is that I wanted for the uh, Know Your Exit stuff that we're doing for law enforcement and, and military and trying to help them to to have some exits for their career and to become financially independent and all that type of thing. Um, we're starting off by showing people like how you can easily just start flipping anything, right? Like lose your job, you get injured, whatever happens, you can just wake up tomorrow and find these creative ways uh, to make money. And I wanted to do a YouTube short because some interesting things have happened on these last couple of flips um, to show people like when you should negotiate and when you shouldn't negotiate. And there's some, there's some, uh things to look for right so basically what happened on the first flip that we did is that we had settled on a price so so and, just to interrupt sorry but but you're yeah, flipping. Go ahead. What, what are you what are you flipping just so okay. people know yeah so i am flipping refrigerators and and um, well i want to do another video on that as well because i think it wasn't randomly like i didn't just choose refrigerators out of the blue right like i chose something that i knew in the market that there was limited uh, supply and therefore there is a very high demand which is going to affect uh, market value right um so that that wasn't random by any means so we're flipping refrigerators and my wife kind of really uh knows you know what refrigerators people are uh, you know looking for and things like that so we just look for those deals on facebook marketplace just you know as we're watching netflix when we're just on our downtime having fun you know just having fun with it and just sending out hey is this available is this available is this available and and if they reply and then we just start negotiating a price and we never leave our house we never leave our couch to do this if somebody agrees to our price we have our mover go out there our mover checks to make sure everything is working loads it up brings it back to our house um and then we just kind of do the same thing we just post better ads and we know how to boost the ad like anybody can boost an ad it's not like we know some secret right like we spend 10 bucks to boost this ad and that's what the other people aren't doing and yeah. so we get more people looking at our refrigerator plus we post better pictures and the pictures make a difference when you're selling mm -hmm. um and we just know that from other businesses that we've been in and um man we flip these things well we flipped these two refrigerators and like less it's eight days total for both and we made 1850 um and real like doing no work um that's pretty good how much does a mover cost to come in and and, and pick up something and drop it off well, it, it depends. I mean, you can negotiate that with a mover. We recently found a mover who kind of will go all the way to San Antonio and all the way to Georgetown, and he'll basically do it between 150 to 200 bucks. So, and I just negotiate that into my into into my price when I'm buying and buying these things. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. But on these two refrigerators that we flipped, um, both, uh. Both people that were buying did something very, very similar, um, and I used the same and I picked up on it and I used the same tactic and I thought, wow, this should be, a, you know, we should do like a YouTube short on this um, because I think there's a lot of people that um, they're new, they're they're new to selling 
and they would get excited just on the idea that they're going to make a profit. Like for them, oh, I made a two hundred dollar profit, and that's cool, and that's great. I'm, I'm, you, sh- you know, um, what is a, uh, you, you, you know, what, I forgot what Tom McKay says, but he has a good line, right? Yeah, like, you can never go wrong with profit. profit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what, what does he say again, Carter? You can never go wrong with a profit or never. Yeah, I love yeah. it, right? And it's, and it's so true, right? Like burden, yeah. you know, burden hand is better than two in the bush, kind of the yeah. same thing, right? So, but, um, so the first, the first buyers showed up and immediately um, got my head on a swivel, very vigilant, um, just from my past profession. I'm scanning them, looking at what they're wearing. I'm reading their body language. I'm seeing what car they showed up with. I'm, and I'm just trying to, you know, just trying to read them. And I immediately noticed they came with a, a trailer. They came with uh, two uh, guys that looked they were healthy enough to, to move this fridge. And so in my mind, I'm immediately thinking to myself, this is a done deal. They yeah. have already mentally committed yep. that they're not leaving without the refrigerator. Yep. However... Being that they've probably uh, have been around the block a couple of times, they know that it never hurts to ask. So right before, you know, as, as we're going through, the, you know, the formalities of showing the refrigerator and everything works, um, right before the deal is concluded, the buyer says, hey, would you be willing to take 1800 Now, we're selling this particular flip for 2000 But because I already, in my mind, kind of picked up on the cues that, like, I'm going to, these guys are going to, they're, they didn't come here to waste time. They came here to buy. Right. I mean, gas prices, the trailer, you brought yeah. a friend to help you move. Yeah. I don't think, I, I think you came with the money that we agreed upon originally. So, so I did the old, Ooh, we really, really were set on 2000 and he's <laughs> like, well, okay. And he pulls out the perfectly, you know, yeah. 2000, <laughs> Here's 2000. Uh, that he had ready for me already. Right. <laughs> Um, but, but, he, but he said, he's like, ah, it doesn't hurt to ask. Right. I mean, he literally said that. So, uh, they take the fridge, pick it up, boom, that's gone. Then yesterday after you and I kind of met up for, uh, you know, just catching up in our little mastermind meetings that I love so much, um, get back to the house and we have a buyer lined up for this second flip that we're doing. And they come from dripping Springs and it, same thing. As soon as they pull up, I'm reading body language and I see that, um, the person that my wife was speaking to that's going to buy this fridge brought her husband, who apparently uh, looked like uh, he, he was he was about the size of our good friend Jeff Snow, played football back in the day. You know, this guy looked like he could move that fridge. Yeah. And in addition to that, they also bought a trailer. So I'm thinking to, to myself, look, they're coming from Dripping Springs, which yeah. is not, Pretty you know, it's, yeah. it's not. Yeah, it's not too far, but it's not close either. Yeah. Um, they brought the trailer. Um, and she obviously bought her her husband that can move this thing right with some dollies. Yep. Um, they, they're committed to buying. However, yep. what did they do? The exact same thing. Right before we conclude this deal, we're selling this particular refrigerator for fifteen hundred. He's like, "Hey, would you be willing to take twelve yep. hundred?" And I that the and I and I had the exact same response because I had already picked up on the cues and I already believed with a high degree of certainty that they were committed to buying this. And I was like. Ooh, we were really settled in on the fifteen hundred. And yeah. again, he pulls out fifteen hundred dollars perfectly. That <laughs> yeah. was, you know, folded up and ready for me. Um, however, so you know, you got to pick up on those cues. But there's, there are some things that would have changed my tactic, right? That yeah. there are some things that would have forced, not necessarily forced me into a negotiation, but I would have considered negotiating. Obviously, if my wife is talking to um, uh, one of these potential buyers 
And this potential buyer uh, says to my wife, hey, can I come over the weekend and look at it? And when she comes to when, when this potential buyer arrives to come look at this refrigerator, if she doesn't have the means to move it, if she didn't bring anyone to help her, yeah. um, then um, then I know that she is really just looking. And that means I have to still bring value and kind of sell this thing to her. Right. Like she's trying to decide. I mean, she she's interested. If she's not interested, she wouldn't have wasted time in her day to come all the way out here. But she's not committed. And yes. I think that's the difference. Yeah. Interested versus committed. Yeah. With the other couples that came, they were committed. They bought a trailer. They bought their trucks. They bought their dollies. They bought moving help. Yeah. Yeah. When this, if the, if they would have, if this woman would have come by herself, I would have said, okay, she's interested, but she's not committed. So now I have to sell and get her to commit. And yes. that's when maybe some more negotiation would take place. Yeah. 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 It's, um, I think this, this, the phrase is like thinking past the sale. So it's almost assuming that the sale is going to happen. And, you know, you, you see this in, in a lot of different businesses, you know, it's like, okay, um, you know, who should I make the check out to? Or like they, they start talking about these things when it's like you haven't committed to selling, but the person selling is already moving to the next step. Like, you know, what entity do you want this property in? Or like, you know, that kind of stuff. Or like, you know, can I help you move this into the car? That however it might be. Um, it's interesting because that's that's something that's used in a lot of different businesses. Um, in real estate, they used to do staging of houses. So what you do is you put a home on the sale on sale you know, put on the market, but you'd put in some furniture, not a lot, but some that sort of showed the size of different rooms. And the psychology behind it was that somebody would come in and they would see like the couch and the television in the living room. And they'd start picturing their own couch being like, okay, what would my couch look like here? And when they start doing that sort of psychologically, they're already thinking about themselves living in there. So it's not the same thing as being like, well, it's this much down and this much a month. And, you know, it's not it's not using the rational. It's using the emotional, which is how we make decisions. We yes. make those emotional decisions. And a lot of it is like, ooh, could I picture my stuff in here? Now I'm picturing myself living there. And that's a very different mentality than like, can I afford this? Is this a good investment or, you know, whatever it might be. And I mean, I, I found like even when we were selling sort of quote unquote selling the the leasing space in the warehouse last week. I met up with a, you know, I think my new tenant and we're like, oh, well, we could put your office here and then we'll put your back. Everything was your, your office, your back, your data. So you start saying it. So people start identifying it. And, and that's a very heavy persuasion tactic of sort of just saying this is yours. Almost to the point with the refrigerator. Well, here's your new refrigerator. Here's yours. You know, when you start it gives an emotional attachment to something that now someone's like, ah, I kind of want this. And then I would even say what's interesting about the two interactions you had, and this will sound sexist or however it is, but I don't care. I feel like the husband saying like, oh, would you take this? Is him sort of showing off to his wife, like, see, look, I tried to negotiate the best price. I did everything I could to get us the best deal. Because traditionally, we look at like the man is more the negotiator. We all know in, in, in Mo's case, and maybe in my case, that may not be true. Um, in many cases, it may not be true. But that's sort of like, it's an interesting thing that it's almost like the husband sort of showing off in front of the wife. Um, and then just being like, oh, okay, well, I tried, you know, that kind of thing. It's, it's interesting that that's, that worked out that way. 
but but yeah it's it's um because okay let me ask you this now let's say it was just the woman or the husband just one of them and they came no trailer no nothing like that what would you try and do what would your tactics be then to try and secure the sale because you as the person selling know that you have a potential lead and to get another lead it might mean more time it might mean boosting the sale again or it might be doing a lot of different things that you might not want to do so okay you've got somebody there they're there right now what are your tactics in order to make the sale happen right then and there yeah that's a that's a a really good question and i think for me and by no means do i consider myself a master at sales and i do like it because i do believe sales kind of is very much in line to what i used to do in my old profession it's yeah. it's mental chess kind of like you're saying it's psychological it's emotional right and so and, and when you're looking moves ahead of people you're you're playing chess not checkers right and for me i think the most important thing is always understanding their why. Like, why do they want this item, right? Like, why do they want this refrigerator? And so one of the things that I always kind of ask, and I think I do it in both videos that we record, because we, we recorded the sales to document it, um, yes. is I asked them, and I, and I assumed, because I just know from experience, this is why people want new appliances for the most part, is I was like, hey, did you buy a new house? And immediately they start talking about their new house, and they're like, yeah, and all my appliances are this brand. So I really want this brand. Yes. Now what I do is I start talking about what they already know, right? I was like, yeah, I kind of understand that. But because remember, I didn't pick to flip this item by chance. I, I picked to flip this item because I knew that it was hard to get, that there's, high, that there's a very high demand, low supply. So I start to talk about, hey, have you had any problems with going to buy this new and they always say, yeah, went to Best Buy and it's on back order. I probably won't get it till 2023. Yeah. And I, and then that's when I'm like, look, I really want to help you out. What, what's, you know, what's your budget? What are you looking at spending? Right. And usually people are fearful to ask for too much because if they're not experienced, no, people like you and I were very comfortable for like, Hey, I want it for free. Right. We're, yeah. we're completely yeah. comfortable yeah. asking that yeah. question. It's, yeah. it, but there's a lot of people that they're not comfortable with doing that. They yeah. don't want to. They're worried about insulting the person. I've had people tell me that before. Mo, I don't want to insult anybody. You're yeah. not insulting anybody. You're just you're trying to figure out their why and, and you're trying to make the you know, trying to make the best deal. And so a lot of times what they're going to do is they're going to come down maybe 100, maybe 200 at the most 300. And then my tactic usually is, look. I wasn't expecting to come down that far, but I can meet you in the middle. What yeah. they don't know is that I've already kind of mentally, I was already had a number in mind, like how low I'm willing to go. Do you yeah. want to know something? Okay. I'll tell you this. When on that, on that refrigerator that we were selling for 2000. Yeah. Sally and I, before they even showed up, had already discussed what's the lowest we're willing to take. And you want to know what that number was? 1800. It's exactly what he offered me, yeah. but I knew that he was committed to the 2000, yeah. but I was willing, if he would have pushed it, I might've gone to the 1800 because yeah. I was already mentally committed to go there. Yeah. Okay. Now the second sale, Sally and I had already discussed what is the lowest we could make on this. And we knew that we wanted to make a minimum of a $500 profit. So yeah. what did we need to sell it for in order to get there? $1,250. Okay. He had offered me 12. I was yeah. very close to that number, but I yeah. knew that he was already committed to the 15. Yeah. If he had pushed it, if he would have been like, ah, eh, we're going to continue to look around and started to get into his truck, yeah. might have forced my hand a little bit. Yeah. But I had read his body language. And this, this kind of leads us into the next thing. When you're buying from where someone's 
when, when someone's buying from you, you want to read their body language, but at the yeah. same time, understand that they're reading your body language yeah. as well. Yeah. So if you don't look like, I think you gave the best advice, you should be assuming the sale is done. Yeah. And your body language should be reflecting that. If you're yeah. hesitant and the prices that you're offering and you're stuttering and mumbling and you don't know what you're talking about, yeah. you're basically giving off the body language, telling them you don't want to buy this. Yeah. There's something shady going on here, yeah. right? Like people yeah. just aren't comfortable because it appears you don't know what you want. You don't know what you're selling. You don't know what you're doing. And they don't yeah. like that. And yeah. in my old profession, that's exactly what it was. It was about presence right? Yeah. People are calling you to solve their problems because things have went so far out of control, right? Yeah. They're calling 911 yeah. and they don't want some stumbling, mumbling, bumbling officer coming out of their car, look like, you know, his, <laughs> he doesn't know what he's doing, some brand new rookie, right? They want someone that looks squared away. His uniform is starched. His boots are polished. His yeah. pistol's nice and clean. His badge is nice and shiny. His hair's in perfect order. This guy looks crisp, clean. <laughs> this guy looks like he knows how yeah. to solve my problems, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's body language. It's presence. And that's very, very important when you're selling because selling is psychological. It's first it impression. Yeah. Well, and, and one thing that's interesting too, and in that you, you did this and maybe not even realized it. So one huge part of negotiating is when you name your price, which in this case, you you sort of reiterated your price, the 2000, like we were really stuck on 2000. You say nothing else after that for as long as it takes. It can be a minute of silence because where people screw themselves up is they say something. And like you said, they're not fully confident. And then they'll be like, boom, boom, we could take lower. Oh, like they, they, they screw it up. It's like, no, you say we're stuck on 2000 and you shrug and you look a little pained. And the guy's, oh, okay, no, okay, it's fine. Yeah, we just thought, never never heard to ask, you know, versus if the guy was just like, all right, well, good luck to you. And he just starts walking out. Now, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. We may have to lower the price a little bit or just let it go. Um, but people screw themselves out all the time by like, I, I used to, it was crazy when I, when I used to always, you know, be buying houses and stuff like that. They would say like, well, I'm looking to get between, and they'd say like a low number and then like, you know, between uh, 20,000 and 28,000. And it's like, okay, so my offer is 15. I mean, like, why would you, you know, it's like this crazy thing where people are like, here's my lowest number, but I'd really like to get up here. And it's like, well, okay, you're definitely, unless to me, I felt like I was completely ripping them off. It's going to be below the lowest number, but thank you for doing a lot of the heavy lifting for me. And it's, <laughs> it's just amazing, like how many times people will negotiate themselves out of stuff. And then how the power of the word no. When you're just, when they're like, well, what about this? And you're just like, no. And then you say nothing else, just no. Because people get very uncomfortable with that. For the and most I would say this is the only part that is, well, first of all, that is such a, uh, yes, I think you and I have tactics that we use from years of experience yeah. that we take for granted that we don't even yeah. know what we're doing. But absolutely, yeah. just the way people are uncomfortable for asking for these really low numbers, asking yeah. things for free, they're uncomfortable in silence, right? Yes. Silence, yeah. saying nothing, sometimes doing less is doing more, right? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And so, I mean, so going back to, let's say somebody shows up, they don't have a trailer, and you're like, I think they're, they're interested but not committed. That was the way you phrased it, right? Interested, mm -hmm. but not committed. How do you get them committed? Let's say you want to, for whatever reason, you want to sell this thing. And let's say, let's go back to that refrigerator where um, I think you said 1800 was your bottom line. You mm -hmm. want 2000 
but you'll take 1800 Somebody shows up, no trailer, no extra person to help. So they're interested but not committed. What would you try and do to get them committed? You, you ask their why, but then yeah. in terms of tactics, would it be something where you're like, okay, if you pay me, if you Venmo me half the money now and half the money upon pickup, you know, we can do this price right now? Or is it like, what do you try and do to get some sort of commitment before they leave? Yeah. So I kind of know, I, I would consider this like a really warm lead because they're actually there. They're looking there. At showed it, up. Right? Yeah, I agree. Um, and so, you know, people value their time. I mean, there's, there's, there's not a lot of people when in the flip, when you're flipping stuff and people are showing up to like your storage facility or your house, uh, most people aren't, it's not like going to an estate sale, right? Like where you're there to browse sometimes yeah. they're yeah. there, they're serious. They really want to buy. So it's just a matter of finding out like if they're, if they're willing to walk out, why? That's the next why. Why yeah. are they willing to walk out? What What happened today? Like you showed up here, you were very interested, but what did you see or what did I say or what happened that made you not want to buy it? And I immediately start asking questions, follow-up questions to figure that to figure that out. Okay. Um, and I might just point blank ask you like, hey, we're pretty, I, I may show my hand at some point, right? Um, and just be like, hey, like we're pretty motivated to to sell this you know i want to free up space in my garage as you can see we don't use our garage to store refrigerators it's our workout space i really this is a second refrigerator we it's just taking up space and and you'd be helping us out what do we need to do to kind of make this happen today and i get them to try to do what most people don't want to do even the noobs know better than to do this and that's give me their number most people are very scared to give you their number but i try to i try to make them give me a number Yes. And then that's when I tell them, mm, I do this, I do it all over again. I'm like, Ooh, yeah. yeah, that's way lower than we were expecting. But look, I am very motivated and, and we do want to help you out. I can probably meet you in the middle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, and then we start working from there, but in order for us to meet in the middle, like I need you to, I, I need you to go ahead and at least Venmo me deposit. What I'll do is on my end to show you my commitment, I'll take the ad down. That way everybody knows this refrigerator belongs to you. I start yeah. playing that psychological game that you talked yeah. about. This is your refrigerator yes. now. And yes. I'm going to take this ad down and I'm going to hold it for you and we'll make arrangements on when you want to come pick it up. Yeah. Yeah. See, here's, here's something that you did that was interesting as well. I just want to comment on that. You sort of force their hand for them to name their number because you've already named a number you had the refrigerator up for sale for 2000 or 2200 or whatever so if you don't do that then it's like now you're negotiating against yourself because you're now you're just coming down in price and the problem with that is like that knows no limit you know oh if i got them yes. down to you know i mean versus it has to be a back and forth negotiating has to be that and that's why to me, when I make an offer and someone's just like, no, and I'm like, okay, then we're just, we're done because we're not really negotiating at that point. And I've already made an offer. And if they're just no, then it's like, I'm not going to lower my offer or raise it or whatever the case may be, like until I reach your magic number. No, you got to tell me I've given you something. I've sort of made myself vulnerable, if you will, in terms of telling you, this is my price. Well, now you tell me what your price is, and then we'll see if is that really both of our prices or do we have a price that together we could both be okay with? So what was smart about what you did is you got this person to, in this hypothetical scenario, you get this person to name their number. Because now it's like one of those things where if you want 2000, their number's like 500. It's like, man, that's gonna be tough to make happen. But if you're like, 
okay, I'll take 1800. I say 2000 is my number. They say 1500 or 1600. We can make a deal happen. Like, so my brother-in-law, I told you he was buying a house in Florida mm -hmm. and this is only the second house he's ever bought. So he's, he's relatively new to this type of stuff. And I think they wanted 450 grand for it. And he came up with somehow they ended up at, at 415. So already 35,000 bucks below. Now, he finds out that it needs a new well and a new um, air conditioner. So about 20,000 bucks worth of stuff. And so he's basically gonna say, okay, let's go back and do like 395. But then he tells me, he's like, man, I'm worried because Florida is a non-disclosure state, just like Texas is. And what that means is that you don't have to tell anybody what you sell your home for. And so what that means is that, you know, no one has to know what you got this property under contract for before. So these guys, his worry was that they would say, nah, we're just going to sort of do some BS fixes on these two things. And we're going to sell this thing again for 450,000 and, and just, you know, roll the dice on that. And I said to him, I'm like, I think the sale is going to happen because number one, they already agreed to go down in price 35,000, which to me means they're relatively motivated. Number two, through Zillow and stuff like that, you know what this home was advertised for like a year and a half ago. These guys are flipping this thing, and this is a hell of a flip given what they what the advertised price was before. It's like you have a pretty good idea of what these guys paid for it. They're making good money on it, number two. Number three, even if they try and do some crappy fix or whatever, whoever's going to come there is going to get it inspected because they're going to need to probably get a loan on it. They're going to find okay, this is a crap job on this, this is a crap job on that. There, there's plenty of motivation already to make the sale. There's plenty of motivation already to um, not have to do any fixes because there's that as well. You're sort of motivating like, listen, rather than fixing it, just, just take off the money. And I know as a seller, because I've sold a lot of things, if someone's like, okay, so I, I had something very similar. I had a, um, a home I sold where for whatever reason, I bought this home and I never found out where the septic tank was. I go to sell it like two and a half years later. They're like, where's the septic tank? I'm like, I don't know, somewhere in the back. No one can find it. Finally, everyone comes to the conclusion it's probably underneath the driveway, which, oh, is, no. which is bad. And so the, the, the seller was like, okay, let's take 5,000 bucks off the price. I'm like, fine because I don't want to tear down the driveway and move the septic. That's going to cost me way more money. There's probably nothing's going to go wrong, but that's that's what I would have offered if I was going to buy it. I'd be like, let's take 5,000 bucks off the price. We still had a deal, still sold the home. So it's one of those things. As a seller, if somebody's like, oh, you can do this work and spend the money doing the work and maybe save a little money or just take money off the price, most of the time as a seller, you're going to do that because it's way easier. Plus, you don't have to spend more money. You've already spent money fixing the home up. You may have money you want to spend on something else or whatever it might be. And sort of psychologically, when you get a property under contract to sell, you're already thinking past the sale. You're already like, oh, how much money am I going to make on this thing? Blah, blah, blah. Okay, I'm going to make 20,000 bucks less. Okay, but so now I'm making, you know, 120 instead of 140. That ain't bad. That's a good flip. That's so I just told him all that. And so he stuck with his guns and ended up getting the property for 395. So Very it nice. worked. So every once in a while, I look, I look like I know what I'm doing. A lot of times <laughs> I don't, but, um, but it just, it just felt to me. I'm like, no, this feels like you've got a deal. These guys are going to do this. They're not going to back out of this for 20,000 bucks when they've already gone down 35 just to begin with. And even though you don't have to disclose things or whatever you as a seller, once you know, Oh, 
this well has failed completely, even if you don't tell the next buyer, they're probably going to find out anyway. And the price of, you know, that's all going to stay the same. So, yeah, I wanted you know. to say something because you just brought it up right now. And it's very, I think it's super important because it kind of goes into something I was talking to my son about just yesterday, um, about the difference between people that are super successful in business and people that are not. Yeah. And, um, a lot of what you're talking about, I get questions now from the know your exits. There's a couple of people that have asked me, well, like Mo, how do I determine market price? Mo, yeah. how do I determine this? And the reality of it, I was thinking long and hard, like, okay, yeah. how can I just give them a straight answer? And then they'll just know the market price. Yeah. And the reality of it is a lot of this is just going to happen through experience. Yes. It's just experience. I agree. But it's like anything else, right? Like if you don't, if you don't start doing it, then you're never going to get the experience. Exactly. And so what I was telling my son the other day, I was like, look, the reason, the difference between someone who's like super successful in business and someone who's not, and this really applies to anything really, but I was using business because we were talking about money was that the people that are not successful in business, they're always learning about how to do business. They're yeah, always they're reading one more book. Yeah. They're always like, how do I figure out the market price of yeah. this? How do I do this formula to get to this? And yeah. the people that are successful at business, they're like, nah, I'm just going to learn about business by, yeah, doing business by doing business. Yeah. And, and well, I mean, your example is great because I, another thing that popped into mind that we had talked about a couple of years ago that I think would be something good for people to flip right now is weights, like barbells, oh, yeah. dumbbells, all that. Because 2020 came and all the gyms closed and stuff like that. So there was a huge run on weights and weightlifting equipment and all that stuff. So people bought up stuff like mad. Everyone's like, I'm going to work out at home from now on, bro. And then 21, 22 came around, gyms opened up again and people were like, yeah, now I'm going back to the gym. Like that happened a lot. I'm sure it happened for the majority of people. So what that means is I'm betting a lot of people have a lot of weights that are just sitting around collecting dust right now. Um, and they'd be willing to sell these things for a lot cheaper than they bought them for because they bought them for these crazy inflated prices. However, I also know that there's always somebody like myself who decided once COVID came around and actually my gym that I really loved it actually closed, like closed, closed um, wow. like two months ago, probably because jerks like me stopped going. Um, <laughs> so, um, so for somebody like me, I'm like, I am actively looking for new stuff. And there's always going to be people that are looking for stuff. I'll bet there's somebody out there who's looking to start a gym who's like, man, I need to get some equipment for cheaper. Point is, there is a market for flipping weights right now or anything like that. Like, so somebody can can dip their toe in the flipping business for not much money because it's really, like you said, a lot of it is presentation and Facebook. It's what, what do you call it? It's, it's highlighting the sale or it's it's. What do you do to promote it? You, is it just oh, called? Oh, just boost it. Boost it. Yeah, you, you, boost, know, you, so you, yeah, you create bucks. your ad and you just boost yeah. the ad for Yeah, a so for, for, for 10 bucks, you're essentially adding a lot of value because you're getting more people looking at it and more people yes. looking at it inherently makes it more in demand. Because yes. let's just say like 5% of the population cares about whatever it is you're selling. Well, if you're showing it to 100 people, that's five people. But if you're showing that to 1,000 people, that's 50 people. So for 10 bucks, you just multiplied the potential number of buyers by 10, 10 times as many. So that means that you're probably going to get multiple. Oh, would you take this? Would you take this? You find the top three. Now you sort of narrow it down from there. So you really could take almost anything that you find on Facebook Marketplace or you find it on something like Craigslist, which is kind of lagging behind Facebook Marketplace now. 
and Craigslist doesn't have as many eyes and it doesn't have as, the ability to boost ads the same way and it's not as user friendly. You could find something on Craigslist, buy it on Craigslist. If you're Mo, you're smart, you get someone to ship it over, maybe you have to go pick it up, whatever it is, but you're immediately trying to sell it on Facebook Marketplace, you're boosting the ad. You could flip literally almost anything. And all you have to do with that is you're just gaining reps and gaining experience. You're gaining experience buying, negotiating to buy, you're gaining experience negotiating to sell, and you're gaining experience marketing whatever you have. And that can be just understanding, oh, how do I take pictures in a way that makes this look cool? Can I do a cool little enticing video? Like just all these little things. And if you get, you know, let's say you're selling like one or two things a weekend and you do that for like three or four months, well, now you've sold like 20 or 30 things. You've had 20 or 30 buying and selling. That's like 80 negotiations or whatever it is. I mean, that's a lot of experience that you're getting. And so, you learn the most important thing, which really is comes back to, I think when you're flipping or really when you're trying to buy, really when you're trying to buy any asset, in my opinion, you know, a business piece of real estate, but it's especially true when you're flipping is understanding what the market value of something yeah, is. Yeah. And the only way to really learn market value is to, is to really focus in on one particular item and constantly keep selling it. And the reason yeah. why I say this is because you and I were talking about this the other day. There's no like Kelly blue book, right? For like a refrigerator, yeah. like the way there is for a car. But yeah. even if there was, it wouldn't make a difference just because I type in, well, this refrigerator is a 2021 and right. you know, it's in great condition and all this other things. So Kelly blue book says it's worth a 1500 bucks. That yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that's what people are going to be willing to pay me for it. Yeah. Market value is very dynamic. It changes from month to month based off how people feel about spending money, based off the economy. Um, and it's also very geographical. For example, yeah. what people are willing to pay me for a refrigerator here in Austin, Texas, may be completely different than what people are willing to pay me for a refrigerator in New Jersey, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you yeah. kind of have to know just your particular market. And that's why when I get onto Facebook Marketplace, I kind of set my parameters like, you know, Austin and 40 miles, yeah. I set a 40 mile yeah. radius yeah. and I, and, and like, I try to just focus in on my market and I'll tell you, I haven't flipped anything in a very, very, very long time. Like we don't flip for a living. This is simply so that way I can show people like, look, I wasn't doing this for years and years and years. And now I just started a week ago and I've already made 1800 bucks. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just, you, 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 anybody can do this. Yeah. Um, but I already realized that when I did do it way back in the day, prices are different. The market yeah. is different. What people yeah. are willing to pay, what people are willing not to pay, it's all different. So I'm having to relearn all this stuff again. And so to answer the questions of a lot of people have been asking me like, well, Mo, how do I figure out market value? There's really no good answer except to go out there and start like focus in on one or two items mm -hmm. and sort of become an expert in it and yeah. understand what your what your market is. I know that I have an idea, like let's say someone came to me tomorrow and was like, Mo, I want to start flipping refrigerators. What should I do? But refrigerators are very unique. They, it's not like the same as real estate. Yeah. So this this formula would maybe apply to, to an appliance, but it wouldn't necessarily apply to real estate. Yeah. But what I would say is that like in my mind, what I do is that let's say um, I know a particular refrigerator and I look at the model and all that. 
And then I go research what's it what's it selling for brand new, right? Same model, same year, everything. What's it if I go to Best Buy or Lowe's or Home Depot, what is what what's it selling for? And if it's like let's say it's let's say for easy math it's four thousand dollars, I immediately slash it in half, and I'm like, okay, this thing is I'm gonna say two thousand, and then I start to take a hundred either a fifty bucks to a hundred bucks off every year of how old it is right so like if it's three years old i'll take off an additional 300 bucks and then i'll say okay in my mind i can probably sell this thing for 1700 bucks because if it's four if it's four thousand brand new 1700 bucks is a really good deal for someone which means what if i can sell it for 1700 i need to buy it for half of 1700 right so i need to buy it for 850 i can't be all in i want to be all in for no more than 850 dollars yeah yeah. And, and that's, that's just like a basic formula. Yeah. But once you start doing it enough in your own city and all that type of thing, you're going to come up with a much better formula that really tightens up market value. Because once you understand market value, yeah. all you have to do is always buy under market value yeah. and you will always make money. That's it. Yeah. It's as simple yeah. as that. That's, that's how easy making money is. And that and that formula actually does apply to everything. It applies to real estate. It applies to yeah. businesses. It does. Everything yeah. across the board. Buy yeah. under market value, you make a profit. Yeah. No, it's 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 absolutely true. And it's um it's just it's what's so interesting about it is the the value of used things. Because when you look at new stuff, people always almost always overpay for something because it's new. But there's so much gray area in what somebody's willing to pay for something that's used. And there's probably a, a huge market for like used phones and things like that. Like I can only imagine that like, you know, an iPhone 6 or an iPhone 7 or something like that. There's probably a huge market for that because there's a lot of people who it's like, first of all, they're not all that impressed with something brand new. And number two, it's like they don't use all the features. They need something a little simpler and that's that. And, and it's like you can... If you figure the price of a new iPhone is like, let's say it's like 1200 bucks and you can sell somebody one that's three years old for like 500 bucks or 400 bucks or something like that, like that's a great deal for somebody buying it. So now for you buying it from somebody else, it's like, I don't know about you, but I basically just give my damn old phones away. I'll give and get like a little bit of credit. And there's these whole businesses that'll, oh, you know, we'll, we'll give you a $200 iPhone credit or whatever, something crazy. And that's probably what they're doing. They just turn around and resell the things. So it's, you know, whatever it is, whatever market. Um, you just gave me an idea for a, another YouTube short that I want to do. Nice. Um, I have a little hack now. This is what you were talking about because you were talking about like these older items. And yeah. here's, here's my – I'm going to do a, like a 60-second hack on this and because I, I think this really will, will work. So I think one of the next level things uh, someone in sales can do is we – people usually do it in, in, in uh, backwards. And, and even I do it that way. 99% of people do it that way. And what I mean by that is that you usually come up with a product and then you find someone to buy it, right? Yeah. But if you're really a next level salesman, you do it opposite. So okay. what you do is you find someone who's willing – you find out what someone's willing to buy and then you go find that item yeah. and connect them yeah. to the item, right? Because that way you'll minimize your risk of losing any money. Yeah. So what I would say is like um, – uh, figure out what somebody wants. And then I would, if it was me, like, let's say today I like lost all my money and I need to rebuild my bankroll. Yeah. I'm going to go out and I'm going to figure out what people want. And then yeah. I'm going to go to Craigslist, which like what you said, and I'm going to go to Facebook marketplace and I'm going to find out 
um, who's giving their junk away for free. I'm yeah. talking about sofas. I'm talking about chairs because I can't lose money on free stuff. I can only make money on free yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. And so if I'm building from zero, dude, I, 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 let me, I got a great story actually. So uh, on this, um, cause people ask all the time, like, Mo, why would anybody give stuff away for free or Mo, how are you able to get refrigerators for eight fifty and then turn around and sell them for 2000? Like people right. don't, not true. Not yeah. true. I, I bought five acres in New Braunfels for 40,000, sold it for 140,000. Right. It's, yeah. it's because you figure out the, sometimes a person's why is not about money. Yeah. It's not yeah. about money. I, They're I, not trying to accomplish yeah. getting more money. They're just trying to you know, get from A to B and how can you help them do that? And that's why yeah. figuring out the why is really, really important. But when we were flipping mobile homes back in the day and I was being such a noob and I didn't listen to my good friend and my peer and my mentor, Carter Fisk, he was like, don't fix up the mobile homes, just sell them as is and take the yeah. price off the top. Yeah. I was like, no, I'm going to fix mine up. So yeah. um, uh, we were fixing up uh, mobile homes and uh, I remember that uh, uh I saw an ad on Facebook Marketplace in an affluent place in Austin. It's, you know, uh, I think it was Lakeway or Westlake, right? Yeah, and yeah. basically a lady had bought brand new carpeting, thousands of dollars worth of brand new carpeting. And she was like, if somebody can come pick it up today, I'll give it away for free. And I was like, what? I can't like, I'm, I'm getting, so I got my subcontractor. I was like, Hey, you need to drive here now. She's going to be expecting us, but she's like, she says you have to be here in the next couple of hours or it's going to go first come first serve. Yeah. So my subcontractor drives down there to Westlake or Lake. I can't remember where, I think it was Westlake drives down to the Westlake meets with the lady. She has the carpet brand new, like still in the plastic, like literally thousands of dollars worth of carpet yeah. and he's loading it up. And out of curiosity, he's just like, why are you giving this away? Literally, she's and it was a mansion he pulls up to, right? It's a mansion. Yeah. She's like, oh, the carpet came in and I didn't like the way it looked with all my other furniture. So I just want someone to get it out of my way so we can get new carpet laid down as quick as possible. There are people. Yeah, I know it boggles your mind. It boggles my mind, too, because yeah. I didn't come from money. So the way so when people do that, I'm like, that's crazy. Yeah. But there are literally people that have expendable money. Yeah. And they don't care about losing money. They yeah. just care about their time. And they want yeah. you to get rid of their problem. That is their why. The carpet was in her way. That was the problem mentally. So yeah. what she did, she gave me thousands of dollars worth of carpet that I then used to carpet all these mobile homes that I flipped for thousands yeah. of dollars. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. People no, giving away stuff for free all the time on Facebook Marketplace, on Craigslist. If yeah. I had to build my bankroll from zero, I'd pick up free stuff. Yeah. And then just find people to start buying it because they yeah. will. Yeah, they will. And, and that's the thing. I mean, what what's the old saying? One man's trash is another man's treasure. I mean, that, sure. that, that is that is true. And that, that's been true for our time. And you're right. A lot of times people are getting rid of stuff. I mean, I think about the different times where I've moved, especially when I moved out of state. And it's like it comes to crunch time and I am giving away like expensive stuff or, or like we're selling stuff like mad or, or you know, because it just gets to a point where it's like, it's like you said, it's no longer about the money. It's about the time. It's about the hassle. It's about like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. And I've seen that so many times and people have that mentality for almost anything. I mean, I'm talking about stuff that was expensive for me at the time. And it's not like big stuff per se, but it's like people will literally do that with houses, with property, with land, with whatever it might be, because maybe they inherited it and they just want a little bit of money for it or they don't want to deal with it. 
Um, anybody who's ever been through probate knows what like a long, painful process. I'm going through that right now again, and it's like it's a huge pain in the butt. And you know, if somebody comes in and it's just like, hey, I'll make this problem go away. That's so, that's a win for a lot of those people because they don't Absolutely. want to go through what they look at as a huge hassle, which is, oh God, I got to sell this thing and show it to people and da, da, and like the more complicated you as the buyer can make the reselling process, the stronger you make the case for yourself where it's just like, they don't want to deal with it, you know? And so it it can be something where, um, you know, with carpet or some of that, the woman's like, Oh God, I'd have to get rid of it. And this and that versus for you, it turned out to be great carpet, the mobile, you could have turned around and just sold the carpet and probably made thousands of bucks doing that. Um, That's where it comes down to, I think we talked about it last week where when you don't have money, you need to spend the time hustling so that you can make the money. And then when you make the money, usually you don't have the time. So, you know, when you've got the money, you are going to be giving away some of the free stuff so somebody else can make the money on it uh, because then it's really not worth your time. But if you don't have the money, then you spend the time looking on these things because you just made almost two grand in a week. That's a lot of money for somebody to net. Sure. I mean, if you could do that week after week, that's what, 8,000 bucks in a month? That's, yeah, that's it's, good it's, money. Assuming that you could do that for 12 months, right? Like that's that's almost six digits in a year. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, probably and that's, more that's than what people, and I'm literally, I, I, I make I make fun of it in, in uh, the video. It's like in between wasting my life on TikTok, eating a sandwich and taking a nap. Yeah. Like we yeah. were able to do these deals. So it's like, it. I, I call it work. It wasn't work at all. It was yeah. like zero work. Right. Yeah. Like other people were actually out there doing work like physical manual labor or there was like, you know, military guys going overseas and like sacrificing yeah. their lives, yeah. you know, th- uh, God bless them. And then like I think about even myself like, man, I am not putting on, you know, I, I put, like putting on a uniform and taking 911 calls. That's work. Right. Yeah. Like it's dangerous work. Right. Yeah. And I'm and and so like this is easy, easy money. And there's just. There's just so many different ways to do it. It's just that I think that a lot of people, I, I don't want to generalize. I know that for, for my experience is that growing up, nobody ever talks about it. Yeah, it almost know. seems like it's impossible. Yeah. It's just a, I remember seeing this stuff on Sunday, you know, infomercials and I'm like, oh, they're just trying to take my money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, the reality is, is a lot of it's, a lot of it's true. You just yeah. got to go the, again, going back to what I told my son, the difference between those that are successful and those that are not successful is that those that are successful just take action and they do it right. Like yeah. you stop reading about it, stop learning about it, stop thinking about it. You just go yeah. out there and start making money. That's yeah. it. That's it. That's it. And if you do it right, like you said, you really don't even have to leave your house and yeah, I think I'm going to get on Craigslist after this, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just to see you what's out there. It's so much because you and I are both like that. Like that's yeah. why we, we even talked about it way back in the day, like four years yeah. ago, we were doing a podcast and yeah. we talked about like how we liked um, driving for dollars because it was yeah. like looking for treasure, right? And that's the it way is. I kind of look at it now. It's like, I was even telling my wife, I was like, man, we don't flip, but man, maybe we should go to some estate sales. We never know what we're going to find. And it's absolutely. just fun. Yeah, absolutely. You never know. And again, the person having the sale- you might even be able to buy the house. That's the thing too. And the person doing the sale, they just want that stuff out of there. That's all they want. They want somebody to come and take that stuff out of there. But if you're willing to do a little bit of extra work after you get it in terms of, I'm just going to boost the ad, I'm going to take some good pictures, you're going to make money on that. So, you know, that's, you know, that's, that can be 
that can be definitely a way to make some good extra money, good side hustle. It can be a full-time gig if you really want it to be. So I like it. Boom. Boom. How to sell anything. Yes. And become filthy rich. I don't know if you're going to be filthy rich, but that's good. That's real clickbaity. So I might just title it that. Um, to <laughs> check out this episode or past episodes, go to the Jujutsu of Life. Uh, like, review, subscribe. You can check us out on Apple iTunes. Shout out to Robles, makers of the world's finest custom Jujutsu apparel. Nobody in the whole world can be you better than you. Robles, be authentic. Yellow Pine Investments makes custom warehouses. Be sure to check them out. Check out. Quantum Leap Digital Design for all your website design needs. I am Mo. That is my brother and partner in crime, Carter Fisk. And as always, we wish you guys nothing but the best, both on and off the mat. Thanks for listening. Thank you, guys. That's it for this episode of the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. Your hosts are Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. This podcast is brought to you by Rulebliss, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. You can subscribe to the Robles newsletter to get the exclusive content at robles.com. You can find more episodes of this show on our website at thejujitsuoflife.com. And you can subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we wish you a great week, both on and off the mat.